0: Good morning and welcome in to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm National Recruiting Analyst, Cooper Techno, alongside my sidekick, 24-7 Sports Director of Scouting, Andrew Ivans. We also got producer Lance Glenn going to make an appearance because it is Mailbag Wednesday. Hopefully you got your questions in. And if you don't know where to do that, you can subscribe to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast wherever you find your podcast Spotify, Apple included. Make sure to leave a five-star review on there as well. Drew, favorite day of the week. I'm starting to love the mailbags, honestly. Producer Lance doing a great job putting them together. No tank top this morning, I see, from my
1: guy. Full t shirt on. How are we living, Drew? <laughs> I'm living I'm living good, man. Yeah. No tank top for me this morning. Are we in uh, are we in Fort Lauderdale right now or are we in Orlando? Backdrop we're, looks a little different. We're in Fort Lauderdale. Brother.
0: Dip, big different big we- camera angle, right?
1: Yeah, different camera angle. Adjusting <laughs> the uh the desk around. No, big um big game on slate. Before you got on hear me and uh Lance were talking about it. Tomorrow night, Miami Central, Shamadon Madonna Prep at Traspal Stadium. I think it's on ESPN two 7:30 Eastern time kick. He was asking for my thoughts on that game. So uh can't miss that one.
0: Are there betting lines on high school games?
1: Um I would assume so. I mean, if you walk around Traspal, you would you would think that there are. I, I don't know what the line is. Uh there's like unofficial lines, you know, that some of these sites put out. I have not seen one, but I, I can look for you.
0: From a Florida man with a good eye for talent. What's the line on this game, Drew?
1: Ooh, I would go like Shamanade minus three.
0: Okay. I like that. For your I viewing would...
1: pleasure out there. I would take the I would take the over whatever that is set at.
0: All right, we're smashing the over. We got Shamanad minus three for all you sickos out there who are going to have their eyes on college football tonight. All right, should we get into it, Producer Lance? We're we'll bringing into the fold, my friend. It is your time to shine. Mailbag questions. How many we got today? We got four or five.
2: Four. Questions. Yeah, we got we got a uh, we got four questions today. Nice easy mailbag. In regards to that chaminade Madonna Miami Central game, that is a uh, number four versus number five in the most recent max prep rankings nationally. Uh central is four. Shamanad Madonna is five. So top five matchup there should be a good one, Ivan's tomorrow night. But let's get to those mailbag questions. Remember to send them in via five star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Or of course I put out that tweet on the 247 sports Twitter account. Cooper, I saw you put out a tweet as well yesterday. Got some questions that way. Uh, Went rogue. so you could look uh, for the 24 seven sports tweet. You could look for Cooper's tweet. You could look, or you could send in, I should say a five-star rating and a review. Anyway, we'll get to those mailbag questions. Let's get to the first one from FF Valor. He asks, what are some things you've noticed over the years that separate the high four-star prospects from the top 32 five stars that are obviously ranked above them? And I think one specific player he mentioned was Jojo Trader. He or she mentioned was Jojo Trader. But just in general, what are some things you've noticed over the years that separate those high four stars from those five stars ranked slightly above them?
1: Well, I was I was wondering the context of the questions. Um, so I'm glad you you brought up a name in, in Jojo Trader. I think with him and I know this because I was in our our back end and uh, Cooper had put in some notes and. Trader's a guy I've seen, I think, twice already this season. I'm going to see him tomorrow night. Been dealing with some injuries. With with Trader, I mean, the film is is great, but there is zero verified athletic context with him in terms of measurements, testing, no multi-sport. I think maybe there's a few dated track times on there. Um, so you're almost kind of flying blind with him. And I don't know where we want to go with this, this question, I mean, I'm going to toss it over to you to Cooper, but I think a good conversation we could revisit is maybe how we stacked those, those Ohio State wide receiver signees last cycle because uh, Carnell Tate did finish as a five-star for us, and then Brandon Innes and Noah Rogers were right outside that 32.
0: In my short time doing the rankings process, going back and looking at 23 and 22, 22 was really my first year. If there's like, buyer's remorse is not, it's not the right term, right? Um, But revisionist history and it's still early. But if we could commit to one thing, which I think we've done a a tremendous job doing this. It's just continued to have a unrelenting relationship with betting on players that have specific Traits and redeeming qualities, right? And we talk about height, weight, speed the entire time. So, if I can try to explain this in a way that makes sense for us, no prospect is perfect, far from it, right? But if you go through the top 10 of the 247 sports rankings right now, the player rankings, you can find that on 247sports.com. I can give you one or two lines on every player ranked in the top 10. Dylan Rayola. Tremendous talent is exactly what you're looking for in today's quarterback. From a height, weight, speed standpoint, checks the boxes. From an arm talent standpoint, checks the boxes. Dad played in the NFL. Ten-year veteran of the Detroit Lions. Mom was a volleyball player, right? So, no,
1: not, yeah, yeah, no, water polo maybe. Sister is volleyball player.
0: Okay, athletic family. Right, obviously starting with his dad. Jeremiah Smith, well-documented, outside of the production on the field. Drew, you know this better than I do, but I believe a 110-meter, 300-meter hurdle champion in the state of Florida. Correct? Yep. lot to like there. Also, the cousin of Geno Smith.
1: Cousin of Geno Smith, and uh, as we uncovered, has some uncles that ran in the Olympics and was related to a legendary boxer.
0: Williams Winery, prototype, physical freak. Exactly what we're... I think Williams
1: has the longest wingspan in the class.
0: Ellis Robinson. In terms of what you're looking for in a corner one, he's dripping of it.
1: I I was watching an IMG game last night. I'm like, oh my gosh. I mean, he just looks like box checker.
0: Sammy Brown, number one on Andrew Ivins' freak list. Wrestler. Track and field standout, weight room warrior, two-way standout as well. Aiden Breeland, another one of those guys, box checker. I can go down the list, Wingo, Rushing, Wesco, David Stone, they all have something to them. That's my point. If you're going to miss on these guys, miss the right way. And When you start going down the board a little bit, it even starts to get a little bit more saturated. Right. I mean, you you like once you get into that twenty eight through thirty two range, you're ju- you're you're betting on the traits. That's really what it comes down to. So guys like Jojo Trader. Who are really good football players. Play on both sides of the ball. The football instincts pop. Andrew said this, it's it it comes down to collecting data points and supplementary data points. And the tape, although it is your baseline, information and knowledge is power in the scouting process. So if there's limited context and you're coming down to these players and you got player X and player Y and you like both of them on tape and one has athletic context and the other one doesn't, which way are you going to lean? And to me, that's that's really what it shakes down to.
1: Well. To add on to that cooper the example i always love to bring up is you'll get thrown into how's this guy the number 15 wide receiver it's like well have you watch the 14 in front of him? because i can guarantee you the tape probably is going to be the same for all these guys right they're all going to have really good tape right now let's start adding the athletic profiles and painting the entire picture okay we know that this guy has a family member that played in the NFL. This guy is a multi-sport athlete. This guy um, has tested off the charts. The guy behind him hasn't done any of that. Who are you going to invest in? Who are you going to bet on?
0: You're essentially card counters, like to a certain extent, and it, and it's kind of like it's a little bit of a Moneyball approach. But that's the thing; it's not all analytics. But the analytics do carry some water here. And here's the thing we're not drafting these guys after three years of tape in college. We're projecting these guys to the NFL draft three to four years from now. Armando Blunt, who we talked about the other day, is 16 years old. Who knows what he's going to be three to four years from now? Not to mention strength conditioning program, nutrition program, coaching, development. You have to take all those variables into account when you're projecting a player down the line. It's a hard thing to do, and it's not a science. Like You have to lean into that part. It is not a science. You are taking calculated shots, right? And the other part of this, we're not an NFL front office. We don't have billions of dollars poured into the psychological evaluation of these players either. These guys are going to take time to grow, develop, and mature. Yesterday, Cormani McLean's name got brought up. In terms of a ranking discrepancy. He's three games in. To his collegiate career. Didn't enroll early. But there's a lot of different things. That get baked into the cake. Is Cormonti McLean A good enough athlete. And a good enough football player. To play for Deion Sanders right now. Oh, hundred to. hundred and ten percent. They need him to play. But as. Coach Prime alluded to. The only thing stopping him from getting on the field is himself. That's part of the development right here in what we do in this recruiting industry. It's very hard to bacon to the cake that's a that's just a, a very difficult character evaluation to make because guess what? maybe you have some information on a handful of players in your area, but you're not going to have them on every single player across the board so how fair is that? It's a good question, you know, and it's, and it's something that is it's going to be different for for every evaluator, how you weigh it.
1: I want to point out on the Cormani McLean stuff, because uh, that was making the rounds yesterday. If you, if you go on his profile, I mean, I think the, the last line of my scouting report could experience some initial growing pains, but freakish traits are worth molding for the long haul. Like I think we made it pretty clear from the jump that we didn't think Cormani was going to be a day one guy.
2: Yeah, that was a good, good evaluation from you, Evans. And I always like those those discussions when you talk about four star guys and five star guys, and well, why isn't my favorite prospect ranked a five star? And Evans, I, I think you put a good point there. You know, if your favorite prospect is the number fifteen wide receiver, and you don't know why he's the number fifteen wide receiver, well, have you watched the fourteen guys in front of him? The answer likely is probably not. So I, I always like when you bring that up that, you know, people wonder why, but they haven't seen those guys rank from 14 to one. Uh, but a good question there from FF Valor. Let's move on to the next one. So the next two are from, from the same, uh, I don't know the right word, question asker, I should say. This is both from Steve, but we'll go for the first one. He asked, which freshman could you see breaking out in the remaining three quarters of the college football season? Obviously, we're further fr- we're through the first three weeks. Got essentially nine games left for most teams. Some ge- some teams, eight teams, some teams, eight games left. But through the remaining three quarters, which freshmen could you see breaking out this college football season?
1: I got five names. Ooh. I-, I love this question because what we discussed on Tuesday's podcast about schools having to play the young guys and when you kind of dig into some box scores, go through the PFF Ultimate, I think in Week Three, there's a lot of freshmen out there that played more snaps than they had all season. Right? You got through those first two games, and it's it's it seems like coaching staffs around the country have have realized, all right, we got to get this guy into the into the mix. Um, so do you want me to go through my five, or Coop, do you have some names, or, or how do you want to tackle this?
0: Um, yeah, you, you go first and then, uh, I'll react and hopefully we have some different names.
1: Okay. First one, Kay and Lee corner at Auburn guy that was in the top two, four, seven for us. Hugh freeze flipped him late from Ohio state. He started for the tigers against Cal had a pair of pass breakups. Um, I watched the PFF. What do they call that? Uh, notable plays. There you go. Yeah, I love that. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> it I wish, is pretty I, awesome. I wish they Game had changer. that. I wish they had that for uh, on huddle for like high schools. Uh, I think he's better impressed, man. Um, but I on a national scale, and that, that was kind of how I came up with these names. Like, I don't think he's been discussed, and I'm sure he has in Auburn circles, but the Tigers really haven't been in a marquee game. They play Texas A&M this weekend, Georgia the following weekend, and then they get LSU after a bye week. I think you're going to hear more about Kay and Lee. Tigers are are dinged up in the secondary. Um, Keon Scott, their starting nickel, I think he's going to miss some games. So I think Kay and Lee at Auburn, and then Keldrick Falk, who had some preseason camp buzz. I think these guys got a few games under their belt, um, and they're going to make a big or, – or have a large role on that Auburn defense.
0: I'm going to go with uh, no surprise here, Sunterine Perkins.
1: And it's just kind of like
0: um, the arc to me. If you followed Harold Perkins at LSU last year, it seems very similar. It was like get their feet wet first couple games of the season. Then all of a sudden it was like green light. And Sunterine Perkins got some more snaps last week in uh, Ole Miss's win against Georgia Tech. 36. Ole Miss against uh, Ole Miss against uh, Alabama this week. You know, Pete Golding admitted we just got we got to find a way to get this guy on the field and impact the quarterback. And I think Sunterine Perkins is in a perfect position to do that. Another you, guy that's been. Go ahead, Drew.
1: Did you see Lane Kiffin's quote on Sunterine Monday? I did not. He said it's. Sunterine's the only guy on our roster that Alabama wanted. (laughs) I mean, I'm paraphrasing here, but...
0: Right. Hey, hey, kudos to him for keeping it real. Um, Other guy for me. How about TJ Parker to Marion Parker? One of my favorites coming out. And I think right now, more snaps than Peter Woods last week against Florida Atlantic. He was... Drew, he was... um, you talk about like the ceilings and floors game, right? In the evaluation process, he finished number 43 for us in the top two, four, seven, had a really, really strong week in San Antonio at the All-American Bowl. That was kind of like the last box that needed to be checked. It's been good to see him out there kind of doing his thing, right? Um, Because this was a guy that we kind of waited to the last bell to really kind of sign off on.
1: I like that one because you got, Florida State, Clemson, in that early window on Saturday, I I had him on my on my short list, but did not pick him. And I'm glad you brought him up because I think there's a ch- is he he's wearing nine, right? There's a chance you're going to see nine, and you're like, all right, who who's this guy up front for for Clemson? Not the
0: last one for me, but the last one I guess in this pod for me. zelance have you heard zelance heard? i tell you what, LSU, to me, puts their best five out there when they have Will Campbell on the left side and Lance Hurd on the right side, anchoring that offensive line, and then they're able to move Emory Jones into right guard, Dellinger in at left, and then you got Charles Turner at center. And I think you saw high teens and uh, however many snaps he had against Mississippi State. You know, we talked about Tree Babalade yesterday and just how raw he is, but. When you see him, his ability to anchor the functional athleticism, it shows up on tape. Zalance heard, he plays a little high. I mean, the comp we had for him was Ronnie Stanley, right? But he is so strong at the point of attack. Once he gets those big paws on you, it's over. So I think the biggest thing with him is just the nuance of, of, of pass protection. But outside of that, man, like physically, he's ready to go. LSU did this last year with Will Campbell and Emory Jones, right? And you saw them just get better and better and better every week. And the other thing is, we think Emery Jones long term is a guard. Yeah. yeah. Right. So I think this kind of benefits everybody across the board. But I would like to see Zalance Hurd get the majority of snaps at right tackle this week against Arkansas. And I think we'll, I think we'll see that. Is he going by just Lance now? He is. I don't, there's a couple name changes that have happened that I'm just like Des that, Ricks. That's when a, did that happened.
2: That's a strong name. Lance <laughs> yeah, I Hurd. Did. That's a strong name. Des Ricks. I, a, I saw I saw Des
1: Ricks with, with with two Zs in the database and like Nick Harbor. Nicholas Harbor's just going by Nick Harbor. There's a few more where I'm like this
2: none,
1: was this was never as strong as Lance Hurd. This was never the case at any point during the recruiting process Did you indicate this is what you wanted to be called.
0: Well, the Malanoa
1: one throws me for a loop. Did you ever hear that? No. We've, we've talked about that. He committed on CBS Sports HQ. It's
2: crazy. Well, well, I don't know if you saw, if you checked the latest ratings and reviews, someone came up with a very good way to remember that Dylan Raiola is rye instead of Raiola. This was a five-star rating from Bamboo Tom. He said, Georgia, he's a tip to remember Raiola. Georgia is happy to be drinking rye to celebrate getting Dylan Riola. There you go.
0: I like the fact that our listeners are in on, I think I said this before, like if you have NIL ideas, just leave them in the reviews. I think Dylan Raiola at Georgia, I think there's something there.
1: I will not forget that now. I, I love that from Bamboo Tom.
0: <laughs> Shout out Bamboo Tom. We see you, baby.
1: All right, next one I got. Young Concrete. Mateo.
0: I was going to follow up on Young Concrete.
1: So I'm glad I stole one from you here. Um, doesn't have enough. Doesn't officially have a sack yet for Oregon. I think he had one against Texas Tech, but it was either negated by a penalty or, or something like that. But he's got five pressures on 50 pass rushing snaps. Colorado plays Oregon on Saturday. I would assume that will be the most watched game of the weekend. Seeing as Colorado, Colorado state was the fifth most watched game ever for ESPN, which is kind of mind-blowing to me. But then again, I fell asleep watching it on my phone. Um, I think this is a chance for him to introduce himself to the college football world. I have questions about Colorado's offensive line, not knocking Shutter Sanders, not knocking Jimmy Horn, Xavier Weaver, all those guys. Um, but they started a true freshman at center last week. I think that unit hasn't seen anything close to what Oregon is going to bring up front. We've detailed it multiple times. If Dan Landing is building an SEC defense there in Eugene. And I think Mateo is going to have a chance um, to, to make a name for himself. I mean, how, how many sacks did Nebraska have against Colorado? Wasn't it like nine?
0: It's going to have to be a fact check. I don't know. It was up there, though. It was up there. I think he got oof, seven, maybe. Could be wrong. The only nine number I know associated was with Spencer Radler, week one. Okay. I'll go back and, and okay. double check. Maybe, that maybe one. it
1: was seven. Okay.
0: I'm gonna go back to Oxford. I'm gonna go with Aiden Williams. They've been trying to get him involved early this season. I think. I think he's gonna grow up right before our eyes, and I'm not surprised by that one at all. I mean, he's physically ready to go. He is mature for his age. The ball skills, the frame, the play strength, everything about him is collegiate ready. I think it's just a matter of time before we see him kind of ball out and do his thing.
1: Yeah, I had him down on the list as well. 47 snaps against Georgia Tech, one catch for for 19 yards. I mean, kind of the issue is uh, Ole Miss has some some really good transfers that have come in, that are ahead of him. Jordan Watkins. Um, who's the other guy? That's balled out.
0: Cat uh, from Western Kentucky.
1: Yeah, Quay Davis. Is that right?
0: Yeah. Who's Trey the – Trey, Trey Trey Harris, Harris. that's yeah. it.
1: Yeah. It's kind of a log jam there, but no, I, I had him written down as well, Cooper. Um, last one for me, Carnell Tate at Ohio State. Now, there is – Some dudes in front of him, Marvin Harrison, Emeka Mbuka, Julian Fleming. I mean, he's wide receiver four for the Buckeyes, but caught his first career touchdown pass last week in a blowout of Western Kentucky. Ohio State playing Notre Dame on Saturday night in South Bend. Carnell Tate, a kid from Chicago. I don't know. I just think at some point, over the course of the next few months, he's going to come up in a, a key moment for the Buckeyes and hasn't been really talked about a lot on the national stage. And you go back to the preseason, Ryan Day saying, hey, he's going to play a ton of meaningful snaps for us. So that was the one, last one I wrote down, Carnell Tate.
0: Last one for me, our friends at PFF Ultimate. I was, I was very excited once Gabe Brooks texted us in the group chat about P.J. Adebore getting his first, first sack against Tulsa this this past weekend. It was in garbage time, but, I mean, if, if you can find a way to continue to just get that guy reps, get him on the field, get him more comfortable, get him playing faster, that might not be a guy that we see make an impact in the next quarter of the season. But if you can get him going the last three, four games and continue to kind of dangle that carrot in front of him, Dude, physically, that kid, he looks ready to go right now. I mean, he is so pretty. Off the hoof, I don't know if there's anybody prettier in the 2023 cycle than P.J. Atabori. And the good thing about him is he showed the ability to take on double teams, he can play the run, and he's got some pass rushing upside. And I think it benefits Oklahoma to get him on the field as soon as possible.
1: I'm surprised we didn't say any quarterbacks.
0: Well, Dante Moore, we we loved up on yesterday, right?
1: Yeah. I think he's already on the scene. Avery Johnson
0: getting some touches, huh? Here and there. A couple packages.
1: Is he? Okay. I looked. I looked for a spot where I was like, okay, maybe they they turn to this guy or someone's next up, maybe because of an injury. I I couldn't find anyone.
0: Is there a way on Ultimate to search just for freshmen?
1: Uh there's a training session coming up. So Yeah, two o'clock today, Central Time. Be there, or be square. Ooh, that'll be one of my uh one of my first questions. I was gonna say like Brock Glenn at Florida State, you know, Jordan Travis dealing with some injuries, but I think Brock Glenn's got an injury of his own. I was talking to Bud Elliott about that, so with his with his hand.
0: You got the Rotomaker over there and they got AJ Duffy, right?
1: I don't think Duffy is a factor
2: in that quarterback room. Good to know. All right, Lance, what we got next? Yeah, that was a good question. Before we get to that third one, obviously just remember to send in a five-star rating and a review. That's how you can put in your mailbag question. Or of course you can see that tweet on Twitter. Usually comes at around noon Eastern time on the 24 seven sports Twitter. You can comment below on that tweet and send in your question that way as well. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the 24 seven sports football recruiting podcast. So our next question, once again, from Steve, he asks, it seems like more offensive tackles are starting as true freshmen uses LSU, Texas, and Alabama as examples over the last couple of seasons. Why do you think that is, and do you think it's an anomaly, or is that trend here to stay?
0: This kind of goes to what Andrew was talking about yesterday, but let's let's talk about those three programs, right? So Lance heard five-star. Kelvin Banks, five-star. Caden Proctor, number one offensive tackle in the country, five-star from Iowa. To me, one, I think Alabama's in a situation where there was – that was a need. Like they, they needed Caden Proctor. It was between him and Elijah Pritchard, another guy that we had rated high, still trying to find his way. But there was a hole there, right? I think for LSU, same deal. There's a little bit of a need, right? Your best five, when you take a step back, is with the Lance playing and Emory Jones on the inside. And then you look at Texas, Calvin Banks was in a position to step in day one and be a factor, and he was one of the most day one ready offensive linemen that we had in that class. I think we ranked him 32. Thank goodness we did. So I I do think it is a little bit of necessity from these programs that you don't really typically see it at. But there's been some turnover at, you got to think, Brad Davis now in his second year, Brian Kelly in his second year, Steve Sarkisian, and Kyle Flood. What was that, year two for them, right, last year when, uh, when Kelvin Banks started? Yeah, year two. And then Alabama, new offensive line coach, now in year two. Right, so you think of the turnover in that room, not only from a roster turnover standpoint, but from new offensive line coaches really starting from scratch. I think you got to take that into consideration. And, I mean, Drew, I don't know about you. Last year's offensive line haul was just pretty deep. I, I don't feel that way about this position group in 2024. And I like Brandon Baker a lot. There's none of these guys that like, strike me as like, so Lance Hurd, Kelvin Banks, Caden Proctor, Francis Malanoa type of guys.
1: That's what I was going to say. I think some of it is a product of the 23 cycle. Had some guys that we felt like were, all right, they're ready to go. I don't think that's the case in in 2024. And it's not just Proctor, Maunoa, and Hurd. I mean, Spencer Fano, he's starting or has started at Utah. And then obviously Tree at South Carolina, maybe more of a necessity at, at both of those programs. But I, I think 23 was strong. Don't feel that way in 2024. I'd be surprised now let's get through all-star game season and 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 we'll revisit this question um i i just think it's kind of what i was talking about yesterday like you said cooper with the transfer portal you got to play your guys or they're going to move on and i think the other thing with nil you got you got funds invested in these dudes like you you got to play them right and maybe I'm off base here, but if we compare this to the NFL side of things, when you're bringing in a first-round tackle, I mean, usually those guys play. And yes, there are growing pains. So I think it's a combination of of the two. Now, is this an anomaly or is this a trend? I think the fact that we're four weeks into the season and four top two, four, seven tackles have started is probably an anomaly, but I do think the trend is you got to play these guys unless something changes. And I don't, I don't know if anything's going to change. So I think we'll see more of this moving forward, peeking ahead, maybe to 2025 seems like offensive tackles. It'll, it'll kind of rebound there. Now I don't think like David Sanders, who our number one player is is going to be day one ready to go. Um, and I don't have the rankings pulled up in front of me, but maybe there are some other guys when we get to 2025. Uh, that's just that's just kind of how I see it. I, I, this was an interesting question.
2: Yeah, it really was. It really was. And you bring up all those. And you guys got to give yourself more credit. You had Calvin Banks ranked 30th, not 32nd. Firmly in the top 32 right. at we're number not, 30.
1: We're not trying to celebrate, you know this early out like some people
2: but 30th better than 32 all right last question this one from me we wanted to talk about it yesterday we went a little long yesterday so we're talking about it today who do you think would be good mel tucker replacements at michigan state now that he essentially has been fired or has been notified that he's going to be fired for cause who do you think should replace him in east lansing either one of you can start Maybe I'll even come up with an example as you guys talk, or not an example, a selection.
0: I low key love the coaching carousel. It's like one of my favorite things. Um, not everything that transpires. I understand that's difficult, but
2: can I? Can I, I comment? I like, I like.
0: I like. I like playing the the matching game. Go can ahead. Can I
2: comment on that real quick? Do you also? Because I am with you. I think it's so much fun. That off season we had a couple of years ago, where like. Eleven or twelve jobs opened up, like big jobs opened up, was so much fun. Do you also feel the same way about free agency in professional sports? Because I think free agency in professional sports, especially when your team is heavily involved, is like there's there's very few things more fun than free agency in professional sports.
1: Are you are you talking like NFL free agency?
2: Or are we going? No, I'm talking like- about like all right. I'm a big Yankees fan, right? Major League Baseball free agency is obviously you know the Yankees are always involved. Um, NFL free agency doesn't have the same buzz. I'm not a big NBA fan, but I do enjoy NBA free agency whenever it has like a lot of stars. The devils have been heavily involved in NHL free agency and NHL r- uh, roster transition as of late. Um, so I just find the whole player movement, coach movement carousel to be very enjoyable and very interesting to watch. No I would, one does it better than the NBA, but like I, in terms of any sports, like it's fun. I, I would echo the NHL because, I mean,
1: if you if you feel like you're a contender, you will dump assets, and it's like, whoa, for, like, high risks. It's just, I mean, being on the football side, it it's like giving up, you know, a young star, and it's like, whoa. I, I don't know. It, it always fascinates me.
0: I don't know, Lance. I mean, I, honestly, I get excited more because I think it's – if you get past surface level and start to look at a, a couple of different variables and factors of why guys would fit, you know, like the South Carolina hire to me was when they hired Beamer, I was like, I had no opinion. I honestly, I was super, super, super skeptical. And to see a guy like Beamer fit so well at South Carolina. And that was just a, that was like, if you knew you knew, but I don't know how many people knew. Right like within the building in South Carolina. And they they have been rewarded for it in a short time. Josh Heupel to Tennessee, I was skeptical of, right? There's there's jobs that people have to grow into. Like you have to have some faith. You're putting some stock into them that they're going to put their big boy pants on. And Josh Heupel is going to learn how to recruit at a high level. Shane Beamer is going to learn everything that comes with being a head coach. So that's that's what's fascinating to me. On Michigan State, I think the two names that have come up that just make sense, Mike Elko at Duke and Jonathan Smith at Oregon State. And I think Jonathan Smith is a stud. And I would hate for him to leave Oregon State. But, I mean, we're talking about the Pac-2 now, merging with the Mountain West and relegating teams. I mean... You know, his phone line is going to be open. Names outside of that, I mentioned this on Twitter the other day. Mark Stoops, I think you call him. You know, you kind of go for your – take your shot here, see if he picks up. I can see a lot of reasons he wouldn't, but I think that's a call you make. How about this? Glenn Schumann, defensive coordinator, at Georgia, making $1.9 million. Glenn Schumann's in a place right now where he does not have to leave Athens unless it's right. Michigan State, to me, though, it's such an intriguing job. I just remember at Michigan, those two programs recruit very different players. And Michigan State does an incredible job in Detroit, where there's a ton of talent, and that is a tough, hard-nosed, blue-collar, type of program I get excited about Glenn Schumann at Michigan State but the reason I get excited about Glenn Schumann at Michigan State because the best thing Glenn Schumann has going on for him is Dan Lanning at Oregon and if he can take that blueprint from Kirby Smart and continue to prioritize the recruiting trail and roster construction I mean you saw how successful they were and Mel Tucker's first year in the transfer portal, and then they just abandon it. So he's an intriguing name. The other one is GJ Kenny.
2: Listen, people
0: people people might think he's two years away. You know, but it was like when Auburn came open. It was like, you better call Dion. Well, he's not there yet. All right. So let him go to Colorado and let Colorado deal with it and let them find out. Now, at least Colorado had the stones to do it, pull the trigger. Now they're reaping the reward. What does G.J. Kinney have to do? He's got to go to Houston before he can get the Michigan State call? And all I'm saying is, call him. And if he's the right guy, pull the trigger. Nick Sirianni was not the guy that everybody wanted in Philadelphia. But he was the best guy for for that job. Because ownership and management did their job. And they looked past those things. So I guess what I'm saying is there's going to be what they call the fog of confusion, right? There's going to be some names here. There are going to be some distractions over here. There's going to be some low-hanging fruit over here. Find the guy that best fits Michigan State. And your timeline, it is what it is, man. Like, you're, you're, you're coming from a position where, you know, you might have to to take it on the chin for a year or two. So... I'm probably missing another name. You know, I love Willie Fritz. Somebody asked me the other day, like, why do you keep mentioning his name? He's 63. He's a winner. He's successful. Like, We can get into the age thing. I think that guy's got 10 more years of coaching. And from a talent identification and evaluation standpoint, he's really, really good. And guess what? Last thing Michigan State wants is for what just happened to happen again. I don't think that's going to happen with Willie Fritz. Um, but let me think on that. I mean, those those are the handful of guys that right now, off the top of my head, Sharon Moore, maybe another guy you call, right? But I don't know if he's ready.
1: Adam Rittenberg for ESPN. Um, he wrote, and I think this is an a quote from an industry source. He's got to be a good football coach, but off the field, he's got to be as clean as possible. Background check has to come back completely spotless, nothing at all. Um, And he also indicated he thought it would be a guy that has head coaching experience, or that's what the industry is saying. Um, Coop, one name I've seen thrown around out there, I think it's on our Michigan State site's uh, hot board, which would be intriguing to me from a recruiting perspective is Charles Huff at Marshall. he's 18 and 10 over the past 3 years. Remember they beat Notre Dame last year. I think they have two Power 5 games coming up here over the next few weeks, Virginia Tech and then they they face someone else, 2 and 0. Um I think Huff would get Michigan State more into the state of Florida when it comes to recruiting. I I did a profile on on Charles Huff a year ago, just kind of about how he has the key to South Florida. He was at Alabama, was the primary on a, a ton of of big recruitments, and I went and looked. You know, in the twenty four seven sports era, so since twenty twelve, Michigan State has never signed a kid out of Miami Dade, unless I'm missing someone. They've only taken five guys from Broward County, and the last time they were in South Florida was back in twenty seventeen. Why does that matter? Well, look at Michigan, Ohio State. I mean, they continue to build their rosters and invest time recruiting the area. I mean, those are two schools you got to play all the time. I feel like the entire Big Ten recruits Florida. So to me, I don't know if Charles Huff is the guy, but I think he would be interesting from a recruiting perspective. And there at Marshall, he has worked the transfer portal, navigated the transfer portal really well. I think Michigan State's going to have to do that with whoever steps in. Uh, to replace mel tucker so that that was a name that kind of caught my attention again i don't know if he's the guy for them um but michigan state recruiting florida would be interesting don't hear that name a lot down here
0: how about kane womack talked about him yesterday a little bit right south alabama big win over oklahoma state 33 and 7 i mean won 10 games last year at south al was formerly the defensive coordinator under Tom Allen at Indiana. He's got some big 10 roots.
2: Hey, off the wall, Lance, would Shiano ever do it? No, Shiano is, and I'm being serious, Shiano's never leaving Rutgers. He He's he's not. He he, he is untouchable at Rutgers. Plus, you say they want a guy with no baggage of sorts. What was the holdup with Shiano in Tennessee? The whole Joe Paterno baggage, right? Does Michigan State want to go down that road? Not that there's anything there. I think there was a huge overreaction by the Tennessee fan base. They ended up hiring Jeremy Pruitt. It obviously ended up working out with Josh Heupel, but you know, Tennessee, tell me how good it was with Jeremy Pruitt, right? They're not going after Shiano. I think I have two names. I think 100% they're calling Narduzzi and seeing if he would come from Pitt. 100% they're going to call him. And two, I think they would be very wise to hit up Sean Lewis played at Wisconsin coached in that area at Kent state in Ohio has plenty of experience in that Midwest region has shown that he could develop quarterbacks, develop offenses has shown that he could develop a program in Kent state obviously has head coaching experience too. I'm going to assume he's clean. I mean, nothing's come out about him. As far as I know, that's, Those are my two picks in terms of who could reply. I think 100% Narduzzi is getting a call. I think if Narduzzi is willing to go back to Michigan State, he's the guy. I don't know if he's going to leave Pitt for Michigan State, but I think if he wants that job, it's his. If not, I think they'd be very wise to go after Sean Lewis. I don't know if he's going to want to leave Colorado after one year. I'm assuming he wants to be a head coach again. Obviously, Michigan State is a better job than Kent State. I think those are the two they should target.
0: Handful of other names. Just going to throw them out there. Let me know what you guys think. Dave Doran. The only reason I say that is I've heard some murmurs that he's been looking around for a while. It's the only reason I'm, I'm saying that one. Don't think he's going anywhere. Dino Babers. Syracuse. Kind of got him going right now. All right. Been up and down. I mean, what the hell? Two years ago, this would have been a slam dunk for Matt Campbell.
2: Did you see that clip where he went after the fan? That fan thing was hilarious. That's going to come back to bite him, I think, in terms of head coaching opportunities. I would, have done, the meet, I would have done the same I would thing. Is there a guy
0: climbing? climbing league at, at, at Kansas State? He just okay. seems like he's in a perfect position over there.
1: Coop, put on your your DPP general manager hat. What is What does Michigan State have to do from a roster recruiting standpoint? How do they compete in the Big Ten? I
0: bring up Stoops because Kentucky has been so successful in Ohio. They've they've recruited an SEC program like a Big Ten program. It's completely unconventional, and they've had a lot of success doing it. It's pretty fascinating to me.
1: I think that's why, why Narduzzi would make a ton of sense, given where they've been rooted in recruiting.
0: I just think you know what he is. Do you want to take your shot? Or do you want to be maxed out and say, all right, you know, best case scenario where 10-win team won every three years?
2: What
0: What about Joe Moorhead? No. I love Joe Moorhead, but no, can't do that if you're Michigan State.
2: What about Dan Mullen? No. Michigan State needs someone to recruit. What about Dan reaction Clawson? out of me. What about Clawson? You Dan Clawson? Mullen's
0: a good coach, dude. Now here's the thing: Is Dan Mullen open to change? Is he willing to change? I have no idea. You got to get to the bottom of that. In terms of roster construction, back to your point, Drew. I think you focus on the Midwest, and then you got to figure out where that supplementary part of your roster is going to come from. From like, I love the fact where Michigan State is located from a point of attack standpoint. I don't think they have to leave their their five six hour radius, right? But where are you going to get your skill, guys? And I think, I think you can get a handful of them in the Midwest as well.
1: Um I think you got to choose right—Florida, Georgia, or Texas. They got to be. I
0: the Schumann Schumann really intrigues me. I feel like he'd a, be.
1: He, it would be like another Oregon situation with Lanning.
0: Correct. You just piece it together, right? There's not like one. You go to the portal for a little bit. You're in Michigan, you're in Ohio, you're in the Midwest for a little bit. You go down to Florida, Georgia for a little bit. You got a little bit of everything, right? a third, a third, and a third. He's a smart dude, man. If you ever been around him super cerebral guy um all right, I guess we'll leave it there. Lance Leopold anything another I think strong those name. guys I, I think those guys are i I think those guys in Kansas are perfect in Kansas.
2: Can I throw out one more name? What about uh, Jason candle?
1: He's been looking. The name I was going to throw out, but he won't do it. I would still make the call. David Shaw.
0: I'm so over David Shaw.
1: He was on He was on Ryan Russillo's podcast talking about what happened at Stanford. I would encourage everyone to listen to that interview. Very fascinating.
0: What happened at Stanford?
1: Just not an not alignment, man. He brought up the point that at one point Stanford was a school where they got the best athletes that wanted to be different individuals, right? New administration, didn't line up. He said you can put the last two years on on him um I don't I don't know I, I think he'll be an NFL head coach so he, he made it very clear he doesn't want to do college
2: can I can I throw out one more name that I'm thinking about and surprised hasn't been mentioned could they get heartline from Ohio State could they get him away head coaching job big Ten coaching job I know he loves Ohio State but could I don't know get if heartline
0: wants to be a head coach I don't get that feel from him at all. He might be a better head coach than he is an offensive coordinator. I don't know.
2: Do you think he's waiting maybe and hoping Ryan Day eventually jumps to the NFL and then he'll take over at Ohio State? But that's something I'm surprised that was never mentioned by us, but he just popped in my head. Oh, I wonder if they could get him. We're getting deep in the hypothetical bag here. (laughs) This is what's fun about the coaching search, though. It stinks when your team is looking for a new head coach for whatever the reason is. But I do always find the hypotheticals and the rumors that come out and the uh, different options that get revealed. I find that to be a lot of fun. I find it to be very interesting because it's always fascinating to go back and forth as to, Oh, this guy is a great candidate. Oh, this guy would be horrible here. Oh, you know, maybe he'd work out. Maybe he wouldn't. I always find that hypothetical. Let's look towards the future scenario to be really, really fun. And which is why, again, obviously the situation is not a good one in which Michigan state has to replace Mel Tucker, but looking for that new head coach, that whole process, I always find to be very fascinating. Very, very fascinating. Andrew
0: put on your, uh, AD hat for Michigan state. Who are you hiring? <laughs>
1: I, ooh, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I don't have a pulse on this one. I offered my recruiting insight. What about you? Who are you hiring? Jonathan Smith?
0: I'd feel better about Elko than I would Smith, just based on geography.
1: Uh, Yeah, Elko. I'm an Elko guy.
0: Um, I like Elko. I like what they've been doing from a roster building process. I think Elko gives you the biggest balance of – ceilings and floors, right? Feel like you're gonna get a pretty good return on your investment there. You're gonna have a team that's gonna be hard nosed. You're gonna play really good defense. And I like what I like what Duke has done on the offensive side of the ball as well. To me though, like if if for whatever reason is not coming, I called stoops. He's not returning my calls. Jonathan Smith is lukewarm. I pull the trigger on a young guy like Schuman or GJ Kinney. GJ Kinney, huge projection. The shooting he gets the, you into
1: Texas, though.
0: That is true. The Schuman, uh,
2: yeah, the Schuman one. I just think there's a ton of upside there. I th- I think you call Narduzzi. He says no. If he says yes, it's his. If he says no, I think you move on to Sean Lewis. And you hope that he's willing to leave Colorado, which I think he would. And he's the new head coach of Michigan State. There you go. Game over. Go Spartans. Go green, go white. That's all the questions we have today, Cooper.
0: That's great. That's great. Thank you, Producer Lance. Drew, any uh, any final thoughts before we get out of here, before we get into our Thursday uh, episode?
1: I got, I got nothing, man.
0: Let's keep those reviews coming. I'm loving those reviews, whether it's NIL ideas, whether it's you don't like the way we talk on the show or you do like the way we talk on the show, we've got a little bit of everything lately and it's been good. Love that. But guys, make sure to subscribe to the 24 7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast, Spotify, Apple, include it, wherever you find your podcast. And for producer Lance Glenn, director of scouting Andrew Ivins, I'm Cooper Tagnan. We'll see you tomorrow.